Welcome back to Snow Farms Podcast, episode 27. I'm your host, Russell Snow. With me as always, my beautiful bride, Andrea Snow. Today is the 4th of February, 2023. And today we're going to be talking about hogs, pigs, oinkers, and the three different types of hogs that we've had. Um, one conventional size. We've had a bunch of crosses. And so I'm going to talk about them all as a general size. And then Kunikunis, which are a very small, slow-growing breed. And then American Guinea Hogs, which are a small but fast-growing breed. And the pluses and minuses of all three of what we've learned, mistakes we've made, and our thoughts and on where we're at going forward. The first thing I'm here to tell you is, for us, we've struggled to make money on hogs. Now that said, I think the biggest thing about again whatever pig you decide to go with, the biggest thing about pigs is all your waste streams from your farm can end up going through your hogs. So they can whether you're thinning fruit, pulling vegetables, cutting grass, table scraps, you name it. Although it's illegal, I read today in the UK to feed your table scraps to your backyard flock or to pigs, all those things can have, can work for your pigs. So they're, they just take out so much waste and sure. Could you compost those things? But compost never once has turned into bacon. Andrea. Not one time. It's true. So that that's the first thing that I look at is can we compost all those things? Absolutely. But on the flip side, we can turn this into a, a high-quality protein item. Man, that's that's hard to beat. My mouth waters just thinking about it. So let's talk about why is it not profitable. It is really, really hard for a small boutique, bespoke. What's another fancy word for small-time farm? Homestead. Homestead, sure. To make To compete with a really large industrial farm. So, for the longest time, I haven't priced out uh, pork chops for a while, but for the longest time, you could catch a sale on pork chops at $0.99 cents a pound, which is just an astounding price. Um, for us, normally, I was selling pork for a long time at $4 a pound. Right now, I guess it'd have to be at $6 a pound if we were going to sell it. And we were, we were profitable, but... The last time we did conventional hogs, I did six. One was for us, and we netted $50. Not each. That was total on the five hogs. So it is a really, really thin profit margin. Tons of lessons learned. We fed our friends. All those went to people that were, if not friends, at least folks we were very friendly with, whether it were or Andrew's job. So that's... The reality, I, as we've moved along, I think the big thing for me is looking at value add items and with the price of labor at butcher shop going up the way it has. And then as Billy Bonds points out, you never feel like you quite get back what you should, no matter what butcher you go to. Um, outside of, I, I will always brag about Meridian Meat Locker in Heiko, or it's not Heiko, it's Meridian, Texas. It was the guy down there is just awesome to work with, just super good dude. 
I always felt like I got everything back on the animals I took in there. But one of the things on the value add is just sausage. It's a smokehouse, being able to get everything off that hog, using the lard. We've been cooking a lard now. How long? Six years? Five years? Has it been six years? I think it's been six. So, and it's one of the great decisions I've ever made. Um, and I, Andrea is not nearly as online as I am, but uh, there are certain spheres of the Twitterverse where the seed oil hatred is religious. It really is a fervor. Um, and we were way out in front of that, but cooking with lard, baking with it. I made brownies with it over the holiday. I'm sorry, not holiday. The ice storm we just had. No one noticed. It was great. So instead of using canola oil, I put in the equivalent amount of lard in a measuring cup, threw it in the microwave for a few seconds to get it to uh, liquefy, threw it in there. It was gravy. So what does this have to do with the price of tea in China is always what Andrea looks at me like. So there are lard hogs and the Kuni Kuni and the American Guineas are lard hogs. They put on a ton of fat. And for us, that's a huge plus. Your conventional hogs, they're not going to have that much fat. You might get two inches on, of fat all along the back, where if the Kuni Kuni is, you might get three inches, and it's just a, it's so much smaller of an animal, it just looks much more proportional to the conventional size hog. When you have a big hog, you get a ton of choice cuts. So your bacon, your your pork belly is going to be four times bigger than what you get out of a Cooney Cooney or American Guinea hog. So that's definitely a, a plus in that column for the conventional size hog. Everything else tastes the same. I have never noticed a difference in pork between Cooney Cooney, American Guinea hog, and conventional hogs. I have never noticed a difference in the taste of pork. Um, we had a neighbor in Milford down the road who had the mangalistas which is, it looks like a sheep and a pig had a baby on the outside. They're very, very weird looking as far as their furriness. They look like a, almost a sheep on the outside. But the they're allegedly the wagyu of pork. I've never had that, so I, I can't speak to it. And I'd be curious to try that and to try and at some point, you know, can you bring that into the Kuni Kuni? It's just not like cattle i don't think but it would be interesting to see the intermuscular marbling um the full-size hogs they are hard on everything they're hard on your feeders they're hard on their waterers they're hard on their pens can you get around that absolutely are they are some of them great mamas absolutely the big red uh waddle that we had in Sal that we had in Milford, she was a wonderful mom. She was a great mama hog. The, the, the big thing on a homestead is frequently you're working animals by yourself. You're doing, you're feeding by yourself uh, and you have small children a lot of times around. Those are all things that have really turned me off to ever having another conventional hog on the farm is cause Samuel, the last mom and pig that we had here was very sweet. And Samuel would go over there and I just got so nervous anytime he got within five or six feet of the pen. And he'd go over there, he just, cause she was friendly. He would go over there 
and it was never an issue, but it just makes me nervous. Uh, the bread waddle style that we had down in, in Milford was the same way. Just super sweet, wanted scratches, um, but you get nervous. So for us, and on a small scale, everything about the full-size hogs is just a detriment. As far as eight years in now, we've had hogs for seven of those eight years now. And getting the large hogs onto a trailer can be an absolute nightmare. That's the other thing. So if you don't have two big strapping dudes that uh, can go out there and talk this pig into stepping one foot into a lasso and then basically pulling her in, braced off the uh, the trailer frame with the rope, it's, it's really, really difficult to load a hog that doesn't want to go on a trailer. With the smaller hogs, so the Cooney Coonies, the American Guinea hogs are probably a better example because we did a ton of those because they were just prolific breeders. They raised out. You couldn't kill them. They, they took the heat. They took every no shade. Those things were just incredibly virile. But you can go grab one of those by the hind legs, get both hind legs, because they're 150 pounds, between 100 and 150 pounds, depending on when you uh, take them into the butcher. Just go grab their back legs and reverse uh, wheelbarrow those guys onto a trailer. And there's nothing they can do about it. I never got nervous once with, because the American guinea hogs would get in, they would nibble on your feet. But I knew that if they did bite me, it wasn't going to kill me. If I fell down that pen, they weren't going to kill me. The Cooney Coonies are the friendliest animals in the entire world. They're basically dogs. So, and our males are much friendlier, the two uncut males that we have, than uh, Princessa, who is, no. what's her name? It's Princessa, it's Princessa, but it's Porky that's not. Well, and Porky is uh, not intact. So the life has done him injustice from the beginning. But uh, all those animals, just super sweet. We'll let you. Porky is not big on the scratches, but Princessa is. And then the two males are just, you've done a wonderful job on those guys. They are just super tame, super chill. And. So that's the big thing. Now, the Cooney Coonies are, they're going to come into heat later. They're going to be older before you can breed them. Where the uh, American guinea hogs are six months, they're just like convention, conventional pigs. They are going to be about that life. And they will, you know, moderate sized litters. I think they were six to eight for the American guinea hogs that we had. I know the Cooney Coons, I know they can both, they were, those were young moms, but I know they can get up to 10 to 12 as they get more mature. That's a ton of pigs. Just so you're, you're paying attention at home, one of the things is having a plan for that many hogs. And for us, the plan with the Cooney Cooney versus the American guinea hogs, I think there's more demand for folks and whether it's a lawn ornament or they want to uh, eat them, either way, I think there's more demand for the Cooney Coonies than there, there was for the American Guinea Hawks. So we're going to sell probably half and maybe two thirds, depending on how big the litters are of the Cooney Coonies. Um, I am going to learn how to castrate hogs. I have watched the videos at least a hundred times. So this next batch on day one or day two, 
we're going to, within the first week, we're going to grab the little piglets. Uh, the squeal is just unbelievable uh, when you castrate them, and rightly so. But uh, that's that's one mistake that we made with the American guinea hogs was not castrating them. It, with the American guinea hogs, I don't have anything bad to say about them. I, I really don't, other than they're so smart and so um, virile. I just want to quote my guy from Australia. Virile cats. But anyways, um, they figured out how to get out of the electric fencing before you didn't like them as much because they rooted everywhere. They did. They were very, very destructive, but they're super, super fast growing. So if you have a homestead where you need land cleared, conventional pigs and American guinea hogs would be your Correct. best. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the, the American guinea hogs were just so bomb proof. I, I have nothing but good things to say about them. The Cooney Coonies are just so chill. And for us, what we're trying to do, I think probably max we're going to do two litters a year and it'll probably just be one for a while until we see if there's any demand here locally for the piglets. Um, feed, feed cost. So the American Guinea hogs and one, another thing about the American Guinea hogs that I really, really liked where we were at Milford, we had tons of snakes they will eat every snake they come across, which the Cooney Coonies have no interest in. And a lot of conventional pigs have no interest in snakes, but the uh, American Guinea hogs that we had, they thought they were the world's greatest treat. So we fed them all the snakes that ended up in the chicken coop and rattlesnakes doesn't matter. They will eat everything. So that's another thing. If you've got a snake problem, now you can turn your, Glorious snakes into wonderful bacon. Uh, what what other things did I not cover? Because th those are the things for us moving forward. We're going to, have to go with Cooney Coonies. Um, if I was trying to make a lot of sausage and thinking value adds a way to go, I'm not trying to sell pork chops and compete with conventional prices. The American Guinea Hog. As far as your feed inputs, what, how you can run them, clearing land, um, how much of their, their living they can make for themselves versus the Cooney Cooney, that I would probably go that way. But on the conventional hogs for a small homestead, I just and if maybe if you grew up with pigs and you're a lot more comfortable than I am, and you can have the infrastructure to force them into a trailer, and you build that up where it's you have a, a lane, and once they get in there, they can't turn around. But aside from that, I, I just, for, especially, I mean, we're almost senior citizens. We're, we're three years away from qualifying for AARP membership. Why, why are you, the mean eyes hurts me, but uh, we're not getting any younger. So that's another reason against the uh, conventional size hogs. I think the other thing is dressing and pr processing a smaller size hog is easier because there's less to deal with. And for us, a hundred, 150 pound Cooney Cooney is probably going to do us for six months of sausage, if not longer, depending on, on how we, we make everything up. The other thing I'd encourage you to do with your hogs is, you know, get your own grinder, find someone that you can share a grinder with 
but try different styles of sausage. I am really, really digging andouille, which is a, a Cajun uh, mix. It's, it's big down here. I really like red beans and rice. I think we had that beginning of the pandemic. And I need to make that again because it was just awesome. It's just super filling, especially in the wintertime. It sticks to you. But make jalapeno cheddar. Make bratwurst. Make hot links. Make breakfast, breakfast sausage. And find a, a mix or a flavor that works for you. Or if you're a processor, go in and buy a couple of their different flavors before you go take the hog in and make sure you're going to like what they give you. Because it's a crapshoot. And at, for us, I think this last hog, she was $4 a pound for the sausage. And we got really lucky. The chorizo was awesome. The bratwurst, it tastes the way a bratwurst should, but of the five things we had, we had uh, chorizo, hot links, jalapeno cheddar, and dewy, and then the bratwurst. And the bratwurst is my least favorite, but it's still a really, really good brat. So those are the things there. Have a plan for what you're going to make. Do you have a smokehouse? Can you build a smokehouse? Do you know someone with a smokehouse? Because if you can grind your own meat, dress out the pig, smoke the bacon, smoke the sausage, that is a huge, huge avenue towards uh, cutting your costs and being profitable. And whether that's just cutting costs for yourself and putting that freezer in or putting that meat in your freezer at the lowest possible cost, or if you're doing that for friends it it just cuts out the middleman and makes pork make a lot more sense uh for us the other thing that we have about the cooney coonies that i'm excited about this year is we have 30 productive oak trees and i think there's 35 productive pecan trees on our place so the thing we're working towards is getting them in a mobile pin of some sort where we can rent those underneath those trees and convert all that uh, acorn and pecans that don't get harvested into glorious bacon. So that's another reason for us and the Cooney Coonies to make a ton of sense is we think, especially the way we've raised these guys, that we can get them to follow us to a location, stay in that location, and then come back to their normal home at night. So whether, and we're still working on whether we're going to do that every day or if we're going to leave them in this place and rotate them underneath the trees for two months at a time so we'll get back to that and let you know on that but infrastructure everything with the smaller hogs gets easier loading's easier processing's easier you're just not going to get as much meat in your freezer every time you process a hog but what what else have i missed andrea what am i forgetting um i think that it turns profitable once you learn how to process it yourself yeah. because it's over half our cost, maybe a little bit more. The butcher is expensive and doesn't give you what you need. Well, and, and, so, and yeah. the conventional pigs, if you aren't afraid, Billy Bond from Permapasture farm just talked about how he and his son just butchered a 400 pound pig at their house last week fall winter processing for hogs especially here in the south we have such a short window where we don't have flies and mosquitoes and everything to make you miserable while you're processing 
the other thing is, do you have a, a tractor with a lift? Do you have a way to get that pig off the ground so you can work on that pig while it's up in the air to butcher it? Uh, for us, we have a tractor with a really nice front end loader. So that's not even a thought for us. It's really easy, but it can be simple. Something as simple as just having a pulley. You see guys with deer doing it all the time. Um, the, and I had something that's gone now as far as other, other parts on it, but, um, cutting your feed inputs. That's the biggest thing for us is lessening how much we're spending on conventional feed. So again, those acorns, pecans, grazing in the pasture, all that stuff. And then if you have a milk cow, yeah, you can skim milk from the butter feed the stuff that you don't do the right way when you're milking your cow and making your cheese and your butter, you can give all of that to your chickens and your pigs. Yeah. Plus if you are savvy enough and you can talk to a local restaurant about filling up buckets and using their leftover food that customers throw away. I, I do remember. So there, there is one thing that we did with conventional size hogs that we can't, I, I know the Cooney Coonies, it's a hard no. The American Guinea hogs, on the other hand, they didn't struggle with it a bit. And that was when we culled chickens, um, feeding the, the chickens to the hogs. So for us, as soon as the young cockerel start crowing, that's when they start going. So any aggression, you're cold. And when you're a five or six month old barnyard rooster, there is not that much meat on you. But when you feed that to a conventional hog or an American guinea hog, there is zero waste. They eat the feathers and everything. It is a sight to behold. And for them, what a great high protein source. And our culling process is really simple. It's just blunt trauma in the back of the head. It's an instant death for the chicken. And then as soon as the, the thing I'll tell you is make sure the animal has ceased moving before you give to the pigs. Otherwise they're going to start to see all those chickens that are moving, going through their pen and going through their, uh, as targets of opportunity and they'll try and snatch those pigs. And you'll be surprised even the big hogs every once in a while will catch a chicken sleeping. So, but that's another, that's one of the few knocks about the Cooney Coonies I will make is I'm sure they could do it if we cut them into smaller pieces or ground them up. But the, the American guinea hogs and the conventional hogs would just, they would instantly convert those cold cockerels into bacon. But that is everything on the, on the pig side. Um, overbuild your pens. Have a plan about how am I getting this pig into a trailer? And even for the American guinea hogs, having a place where you back a trailer up and how do I make the pen smaller? to force that pig into an area where I can catch it. Um, when you are castrating the small hogs, how are you going to get in there, snatch that pig from mama and cut on that pig? Mom's going to lose her mind. So if you don't have a really secure pig pen, you'll be surprised at how strong mama pig can be when she gets angry. And we, the last mama pig that we had, when we brought the Cooney Coonies home, when we pick them up, because our buddy Cal thought it was hilarious at how they scream and, and yell. She was picking up her entire pen with her snout, 
trying to get out. But we had everything interconnected, uh, hog panels inside of cattle panels with T-posts connected. So she tried, she didn't get out. It's probably for the best cow, probably wouldn't have made it. We would have told the story. But those are the things to think about. Overbuild your first couple of pig pens, figure out what they can and can't do. They're called hog panels for a reason. They are fantastic at containing pigs. But those pigs are going to know. They're going to, because they're bored, they're smart, and they're going to figure out a way. That the American guinea hogs always found a way to escape. The conventional pigs, as long as it's well built, they just don't have that drive. The cooney coonies don't test their pen a bit. So before we get out here, Andrea, is there anything else that you want to add? So on an unrelated note, just for posterity's sake, I fabricated my first item on the farm today with a welder. So I'm super excited about that. I took a 20 piece, uh, 20 foot piece of one inch tubing, cut uh, two seven inch links and two three foot links and made a three foot wide by seven foot tall door that's going to go in our chicken coop that hopefully will get more or less put together tomorrow. So we're going to have a breeding program. We've got three uh, mobile chicken tractors right now. We're going to make those our, uh, for our brooders. I'm sorry, not brooders. Yeah, our brooders for our young chickens as they come out of the um, light heated brooder. We're going to put those in an area out of the wind. Uh, they're fully feathered. They're over a month old now. Uh, hopefully they're ready. We'll see. I, they, they seem to be pretty vital virile birds. I've said virile like eight times tonight. I'm tired. But uh, so we're excited about that. That's going to give us an opportunity now to on our breeding program for breeding instead of just barnyard mixes being deliberate about what we're encouraging and then the breast chickens that are going out there, we're going to keep them together, go get a rooster from another flock for just to improve the genetics and then really start breeding those and probably roll down reds and some buff Orpingtons because I'm just a fan of the buffs and then some Americanas just because they don't lay, they're a great forager, they're not a big eater, but uh, when we're selling eggs, those folks with kids it is so awesome to show your kid a green egg or a blue egg when they've never seen one before. So that's what we, the other thing we accomplished today. So you'll hear more about that later, but uh, as always, thank you for listening. And our tagline is every day is an opportunity to learn something new. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>